Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. And I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll, and together we are Three Pack. Join us on the brand new Spotify Live app immediately after all of the biggest fights in combat sports. And also during the weigh-ins, because that's when the real drama happens. So what are you waiting for? Follow the Ring MMA show right now on our exclusive Spotify podcast feed. And come join the best community in MMA. Peace! We're out of here. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer. Is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. Wednesday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. John Jastrzemski. Voice playing a little bit hurt. Just got back from Syracuse, New York. What else is new? My alma mater breaks my heart. And then I come home and then my beloved New York Knickerbockers find a way to break my heart as they lose to the Los Angeles Lakers in overtime. And what should have been the game in which we are talking about the gritty, gutty, unbelievable play of Jalen Brunson who is doing everything for the Knickerbockers on Tuesday night to try and go and get them a victory. He's taking elbows in the faces. He's taking charges. He's scoring 30 points. He's hitting big shots. He's attacking the rim. This should have been the Jalen Brunson game. And it should have been a celebratory mode, celebratory mood for Nick fans. What in God's name happened at the end of this game? Somebody want to explain that to me? You got all the momentum in the world after the charge call. Brunson draws it on Anthony Davis. How on the final possession of the basketball game is Tom Thibodeau not drawing up a play for Mr. Brunson on a night in which Julius Randle was off his game was incredibly inefficient and should not have been the guy to have the ball in his hands with the way Brunson was cooking. That final possession at the end of regulation, that is as bad a possession as you could possibly have. The problem is the Knicks over the last couple of years 
have had so many of these games where at the end, this is the end result you get. I, I go back to a game they won. They had a terrible end of game, last possession against Chicago Bulls. You got a terrific point guard. Tibbs, get the ball in his hands, for goodness sakes. Now, I understand the NBA is a three-point league. If you're going to be a top team, you got to be able to hit the three-point shot. You have to be able to take advantage of the rules, the analytics. There's a lot of things that are imperative when it comes to teams having success, and it usually correlates with the idea that they're hitting a ton of threes. The Knicks, though, in this game, I'm sorry, they were way too three-happy. And there's a possession in the fourth quarter that basically sums it up to a T, where the Knicks are having success attacking the basket. They are having success getting back into the game by driving the basketball against the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, they had a stretch where they basically missed one, two, three, four, five, basically uh, threes, open shots, whatever you want to call them, at the end of the game. That's like an eye-opening sequence there. It's like, realize what you're doing well and what you're not doing well and figure it out at the end of the game. And I don't know if you guys felt this way. I, I did not like the Knicks' chances the minute this game went to overtime. Stefan was talking about it. You know, we were just discussing a few moments ago. Minute they have that end-of-game possession, the minute this game goes to overtime, you're like, the Lakers are going to find a way to win. And you had more bad basketball and more bad possessions out of Randall. And... You had a night in which R.J. Barrett was MIA in the fourth quarter, was MIA in overtime. When he was on the floor, he was stinking up the joint. And I like R.J. Barrett. I'm a fan of him personally. I like his work ethic. I like what he brings to the table. I really do. It's a bad look for R.J. Barrett to be blown off the media today. On a night where you don't play in the fourth quarter, you don't play in overtime, I get it. He's probably pissed at Thibodeau. The bottom line for R.J. Barrett is he's got to play a lot better. You think about this next season in a nutshell. Brunson has exceeded my expectations. He's been fabulous. Randall is way closer to the guy he was two years ago than the guy he was last year. You've gotten really productive years out of him. The guy you have not gotten a really productive year out of, I'm sorry, is R.J. Barrett. And if you're going to tell me the Knicks are going to end up being one of those six teams that's not in the plan, that means more from Barrett, a lot more from Barrett as we move forward into February and March and beyond. And, and I do have to wonder if Tibbs sitting him for the rest of this game, fourth quarter into overtime, was a little bit of a Sicilian message where it's like, hey, big boy, I'm sending you a message. Step it up. You're not up to our standard for what you should be as a player. Eye-opening. But a tough loss for the Knicks. They had their win of the year against the Boston Celtics. They proceeded to lose to the Nets on Saturday. They don't play a look of defense. And they let a winnable game get away here against LeBron, Anthony Davis, and what was a star-studded Madison Square Garden crowd. You had Daniel Jones there, our buddy. You had Emma Stone. You had uh, Ben Stiller, John Stewart, Ball, Pete Davidson. I don't know what the hell he's doing. Who's who across the board? But this one, the Knicks should have won tonight. And that last possession, I'm sorry, it bothers me. That ball has to be in Brunson's hands, and that is on Tom Thibodeau. No other way around it. Let's take a couple of voicemails right out of the gate. 917-382-1151. Steph, let's hear them. Hey, JJ. Richie from uh, Denver via 
we have Queens here. Uh, a couple of basketball points for you. One short and quick point. I cannot stand the freaking New York Knicks Halloween outfit and course that they have going on. I put on the, uh, the TNT game tonight against the Lakers. I look at the court. It's Halloween the whole season. I don't understand it. Just go back to this. They don't even wear blue anymore. Their main freaking color. Uh, it just looks off. It looks gimmicky. And I know they're trying to sell jerseys or whatever. It's embarrassing. Though. Go back to orange and blue, which are your damn colors. Second point. Uh, I know we're both Syracuse guys. I'm 09 Syracuse. I think they're 0, 010 or something like that. But can we get Bayheim to retire, please? All the contemporaries and peers are gone. Roy Williams is gone. Coach K is gone. Even, you know, Jay Wright, who's 20 years younger, is gone. I mean, he should have retired when his sons left. They had a nice little run in the tournament a few years ago. His sons leave. He should have retired. He can't recruit anymore. He can't coach. Uh, I mean, he's done. He's done. I don't know if they get Ben McNamara in or who, but, I mean, Bayheim, come on. It's time, man. It's time. You had a great career. He should have gone out a couple years ago after they actually made it to the tournament. Now he's going to have to go out when they don't even make it. But either way, it's time for him to go. Get some new blood in there after 80 freaking years or whatever it's been. Uh, all right. Take care, JJ. I appreciate that call. Fellow Juice guy, you love to hear that. Number one, your point about the Nick uniforms tonight, so spot on. They're playing these classic games, the Celtics, the Lakers, with the white jerseys at home. Don't give me the Halloween decked out court. Give me the white classic, classic court with the blue lettering, please. Embarrassing those were the uniforms for the Knicks and the Lakers tonight. Embarrassing. Your point on Bayheim. look. I was on campus Monday for the Virginia game. Syracuse just cannot close out a game. Their talent level is better than what it's been. But it's not good enough for Syracuse basketball. It's not. And they had North Carolina beat last week. They don't win the game. They get smoked by Virginia Tech. And then this Virginia game, I mean, they just they can't hit a free throw. They can't get a good look on offense. The center is completely out of control. And yeah, I mean, the overarching theme and picture at Syracuse, you talk to a lot of people, they're ready for Bayheim to say sayonara. But there's a question of, well, what's next for the program? Program has really fallen on hard times. For their standard, for my standard, Syracuse basketball, the idea that they have not been comfortably in the NCAA tournament in like six years is a disgrace. They are Syracuse. Syracuse should be rolling out of bed and is in the tournament nine out of ten years. The standard is not what it should be. You're not forcing Jim Beheim out, but, I mean, my goodness, ne next year, if he does not have a tournament team, then you got to have that conversation. You really do. At his age, the state of the program, like, that's when everybody's got to be like, all right, we got to figure something out here. Because clearly... What is going on at Syracuse currently is not working. It's not working. And you can forget about the tournament this year. It's another year where Syracuse is going to be on the outside looking in. They're not even going to sniff the bubble in London. And that's embarrassing. As an alum, it makes me embarrassed. They're not going to force Beheim out this year. I don't see it. Next year, because he's got all freshmen this year. If they're not in the tournament next year, that's going to be a real uncomfortable conversation. Really. Really, really uncomfortable conversation. But it has to be had. All right, let's hear another. Go ahead. JJ, this is Brad from Manhattan. Formerly Brad from Hoboken. Just moved into uh, the city. 
Well, Amir called out uh, the Knicks after watching them play the Nets the other day. I get that uh, Deuce McBride is a nice little defender. He plays hard, but he can't hit an open shot. And in today's NBA, I don't think that uh, that's the type of player that can play defense the way that he's supposed to. Because you see it all the time with him and P.J. Tucker and all these guys that are supposed to be stoppers, but they're undersized. They don't have the long athletic build. Um, so I really just wanted to say, like, I get it about hard work and, you know, they're making it harder for Kyrie. But Kyrie got 40, and it didn't really seem like he broke a sweat in the fourth quarter. So my thing is, I just think they got to go after OG Ananobi. Well, I have no problem if they go after Ananobi. He's a wing. He's a 3 and D guy. The Knicks have a ton of draft picks at their disposal. I expect the Knicks to go and upgrade between now and the trade deadline. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be, you know, the oh my goodness type of move. I don't know if he's a good player. You want to tell me to make a call about somebody like Kyle Kuzma? I could see that too. Get another wing, lengthens the rotation, more tips has to work with, better defensively. They really miss Robinson on the interior. They really have missed Robinson on the interior. But on the wings, you go and get a guy like Ananobi, it's going to make your three-point defense that much better. It's going to make your wing defense that much better. I'm A-OK with that sort of move. A-OK with that sort of move. I don't think it changes much for the bigger picture of the Knicks, but as far as building the sort of team that you want, yeah, like they definitely are a dude or two short. And you tell me you get a chance to go and get a good player and all it's going to take is a couple of draft picks, I clearly would do it. For Ananobi, I would clearly do it. So I'm on board with that. You know, I cannot believe they did not get a shot off at the end of regulation today. It's bad enough that the ball was in Randall's hand. How in God's name did they not get a shot off at the end of regulation? Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. All right, let's take one more. Hey, JJ. Aaron and Iowa here. With the NBA All-Star Reserves coming up in a few days, hopefully they haven't been announced by the time you hear this, but and if you have, I don't know. You can answer if you want, or you can disregard this. But which New York players do you think should be all-star reserves for the Knicks and the Nets? There's a big conversation. It's like, oh, should it be Brunson or, or Randall, or should it be both? I have Randall personally on my all-star reserves. I don't have Brunson. The Eastern Conference guards are just too deep, and the Knicks aren't good enough to have two all-stars, in my opinion. And then for the Nets, I wouldn't have any. Kyrie Irving's been good recently, but he's, he doesn't carry the team. Without Durant, they don't win. And then some people have Nick Claxton as a fringe candidate. He's been pretty good, I guess, but no, all-star, absolutely not. So I'd have Julius Randle as a reserve. No Brunson, no Irving, no Claxton. How about you? That's a good question. Now, Irving is a starter, so he's not in the reserve pool. Uh, I don't think Claxton's an all-star. He's had a terrific year. He's, like, right on that fringe. I would not put him on the all-star team. Brunson's got to be there. That's where I beg to differ. He's been the MVP of the Knicks. I know Randall has put up the gaudier numbers. I know he's put up the bigger numbers. But, like, when I'm starting with the Knicks and thinking about their year, I'm starting with Brunson. And maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment what I saw tonight. But to me, he has transformed Randall. He has transformed the team to some degree. I don't know where, quite frankly, they would be without him. So to me, Brunson has got to be there. 
I think Randall's got to be there too. So I'm going to disagree with you on that. I say both New York Knickerbockers, Randall and Brunson, all-stars. And the East pool, you got Durant, Mitchell, Giannis, Irving, Tatum right now. That is your pool. So you know like an Embiid is going to get there. A Butler or a Siakam is going to get there. And I know the guards are good. They are very, very good. I would make sure Jalen Brunson is on that team. He deserves it. He absolutely deserves it. So there is a lot going on in the NFL at the moment. Even though we are two weeks out from the Super Bowl. Sean Payton just got the Denver job. I'm a little surprised by that. D'Amico Ryans is going to Houston. Homecoming of sorts. Rodgers basically throwing it out there that he thinks the Packers want him out. Purdy now is going to miss six months. What does that mean for Tom Brady? So, our guy Connor Rodgers, who is everywhere. I love him. He did a great job on the Jet Post game all year. He's doing stuff over at NBC Sports and uh, Pro Football Focus. He's like a man of many talents. He's at the Senior Bowl. I want to pick his brain on a bunch of different things going on in the league, including the two teams we have. Connor's going to join us next. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. So there's a lot cooking at the senior ball. My guy, Connor Rogers, all over it. He was awesome all year with those lunatics on a jet post game show on SNY. He's at Pro Football Focus. He's got NBC Sports. He's a man of many talents. I respect the hell out of him. And he's at the senior ball as we speak. Connor, what's happening, dude? JJ, my guy, what's going on? I appreciate you having me on. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. You know, Connor, it's weird. Normally this week between Championship Sunday and the Super Bowl is like quiet. I know there's stuff that's, you know, percolating at the Senior Bowl and you guys are starting to do your draft work and you got a bunch of the NFL types making their way out there. But with this Peyton news that came down today, with the D'Amico Lions news that came down today, with Rodgers and everything that's going on with him, Brady and everything that's got dude, it seems like insanity in the NFL. Is that is that the case out there in Mobile? It, it absolutely is. I mean, you're up in the bleachers watching practice, and then you look around and you realize everybody's also staring at their phones because NFL news is trickling in left and right. Somebody will say, Oh, well, did you see the Sean Payton news? And then you blink and you realize D'Amico Ryans took the Texans job and everybody's trying to keep up with whatever Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show. And obviously that's something that I'm in tune to, too, doing Jets pre and post game. Everybody wants to know who's going to be the quarterback of the New York Jets in 2023 while you're trying to evaluate all these college prospects. And listen, sure, there's plenty of stars here. There's a lot of guys, too, that are just trying to get drafted and you're trying to 
you know, really figure out who, who's going to fall into that, who's going to boost their stock, who's going to do good things and what teams are looking at. So it it's crazy, JJ. You have so many things going on in the NFL right now, despite only two teams being left alive this season. Let's get right to Rodgers. It sure seems like he's leaving the Packers. It, it just, you read the tea leaves, Tanner, you know, you hear the comments from Rodgers today. You know, he hasn't heard from the Packers, but they've had conversations. It, it sure seems like he's out. But then again, last year, I thought he might have been out. I, I know you're not a fortune teller. I, I know this is gut feel type deal. Do you get the sense Aaron Rodgers has played his last game as a Packer? I do. I really do. And yeah, maybe that's me falling for the bait again, or maybe that's me falling into the trap again. But his body language, here's the thing, JJ, we can try to read into his body language, his quotes, all of these different things. But when you just try to look at the hard facts and the logic of the situation, Green Bay has drafted his replacement. We've heard rumors that his replacement wants to play. There's no sh- surprise there. It's time for Jordan Love to play, whether that's Green Bay or somewhere else. You can only sit on the bench in the NFL for so long. You look at the structure of this contract and if the Packers hold on to him, it just feels financially that things will only get worse for them. And you look at him having any kind of value for them to recoup because of the fact that, yes, he's owed a ton of cash, but that's not cap. His $15.79 million cap hit in 2023, and it's nothing crazy in 2024, a team can absorb that and believe, hey, we're in a window where we can go chase the Super Bowl at the end of Aaron Rodgers' career. So it just feels like all of the stars align on both sides. It, it, it's always felt like with this relationship, it's been one side or the other. This is the first time I confidently look at both sides and go, and Aaron Rodgers will be picky, I think, where he wants to play, and we can't get into his mind where that is right now. But we can absolutely feel that he's not feeling the love on the Green Bay side. And Green Bay actually has real-life incentives to trade him now rather than wait. The Jeff fit is so fascinating, dude, because it brings back shades of Brett Favre. And I think for some Jeff fans, Connor, they're going to get that PTSD from that 2008 season. But they have to win next year. If they don't, Robert Sala is not going to be the head coach. It's as simple as that. They need to be a playoff team. They have talent on offense. They have a lot of talent on defense. I think from a football standpoint, Rodgers to the Jets is a home run. Where I'm skeptical is Aaron Rodgers, the personality. He's quirky. He likes to be left alone. I I wonder how he'd handle, you know, page six, TMZ, 20 reporters in his face every single day at every practice imaginable from June to, to August to October, November. Does Aaron Rodgers strike you as a guy that fits the New York market? Like, if you're the Jets, you got to do it. To me, there's, there's no doubt about it. But knowing the, the feeling of Aaron Rodgers, the person, how do you see him jiving in New York, if that were a fit? The honest answer is I don't. I honestly don't. Or, or at least I don't see him thinking he will. Maybe he gets here and everything's fine. It's funny you bring up the Brett Favre trade because we revisit it so often. And, you know, what's funny to me is, yeah, in the end, it, it looked like a disaster. That team was eight and three before. Oh, he got they hurt. beat the Titans, I, I, undefeated Titans. Uh, yes. I remember well, Connor. Oh yeah, they were flying. They were flying, and I can't remember if it was a bicep tear or a shoulder-related injury, but he had some kind of injury to the throwing arm, and everything changed from there. So when you look at the process of it, yeah, you're trading for an old quarterback, and old quarterbacks get hurt. But you look at the process of it. I don't know how outlandish it was at the time, and that's how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. And 
here's how I look at it, JJ. One, do I think Aaron Rodgers at first glance would be psyched to come to New York? No, I don't think he really wants anything to do with that kind of attention, um, those kinds of questions, everything that would come with it. But I keep going back to this. If Green Bay is really done with him and he keeps indicating it feels like Green Bay has intentions to move on from whether it's his teammates like a Randall Cobb, whether it's to play young guys, he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild, whatever it is, where is he going to go that's a better fit than the New York Jets? And I don't say that with bias. I really don't. I call it like I see it every single Sunday before and after the game with this New York Jets team. You look at Aaron Rodgers right now. I mean, how many teams could be in this market because of the cash flow that comes with him, because of the rare window that comes with him? A lot of teams don't like trading for one to two year windows. I mean, you look at the Jets. People throw around the Raiders. The Raiders don't have half the defense the New York Jets have right now. And how would he collide with Josh McDaniels? Come on. I I mean, seriously. And then the last one is Tennessee, where there's a whole ton of variables in that that still don't really add up, especially with the GM that just is getting his feet wet there and could do a lot of different things his own way at quarterback for a long time and have a lot of success and has worked a long time to get that job. So Aaron Rodgers might not have a choice. If Green Bay said, this is it, we're done, Aaron Rodgers has leverage. He could say, I'm going to retire. But ultimately, somehow, as much as he might not love New York, the Jets could be his best option. Okay. I think Aaron Rodgers for the Jets is the move they got to make. Assuming he doesn't want to come here, though, Connor. Let's say Aaron Rodgers says, you know what, New York? Not for me. Don't trade me to the Jets. I don't want to be here. Who's your next guy, quarterback? Who is the guy, Connor Rodgers, you're the GM of the team. You're in Joe Douglas's position. You could get the veteran quarterback outside of Rodgers. Who's your guy? Uh, this is where it gets grim, right? It really does. Because none of these guys that I could try to sell you are a surefire answer to what they think. They think they're a quarterback away from not sneaking into the playoffs, but competing deep into the playoffs. And I'll, I'll rule this out real quick, JJ. I don't buy that Derek Carr would have a lot of success here. And I'm with you. I'm totally with you, Connor. Right? And you know what? That's the... A lot of people you talk to say, oh, he's this great leader. He's taking teams to the playoffs. He strikes me as a guy that would be a disaster here in New York, Connor. Disaster. 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 I've seen this team my entire life, this market my entire life. Nothing on the side of Derek Carr translates to success in New York. He'll have success somewhere else. I wouldn't be surprised, but it's everything. It's the fact that he wouldn't like the scrutiny that comes with the job. It's the fact that he had a bad year. He was not good this year, and they had a lot of weapons around him. He's He is not a poor-weather quarterback at all, and that's a very real number when you dive into it. So Carr is not my next guy as much as that's the layup for everybody. Let's obviously rule out the fantasy land that Lamar Jackson would be traded within the AFC. I don't see that happening as much as, obviously, Lamar Jackson would be at the front of that. It gets grim really, really quick, and you got to get creative. But I look at it like this. I would rather than trade an asset and take on $40 million of Derek Carr, go cheaper and not trade an asset for Jimmy G. And it's not fun. It's not exciting. I'm not saying it gets you to a Super Bowl. I'm not saying it gets you to a conference title game. But I'd rather take that. And you have to go get a reliable backup behind him because he's going to miss time. So you have to wonder, are you allocating more money into a Jacoby Brissett, a Gardner Minshew, somebody Mike White comes back? This is the position the Jets have put themselves in when they missed with the number two overall pick. You are in the clearance rack, the bargain aisle of quarterbacks, where if you don't get the big fish, that would be Aaron Rodgers, 
You don't even have a shot to get a Lamar Jackson kind of player. You got to start ruling out a lot of different variables, a lot of different problems, and you just kind of fall back to what you know. You know what Robert Sala knows, JJ? He knows that Jimmy G can give you just enough to be competitive. And obviously with that great defense and hopefully a great run game, you know, start to build something with someone like that that's just replacement level or competent. Um, would you say LaFleur not being back here diminishes the chances of a guy like Jimmy G coming here? Definitely. I, I, now, do I say it rules it out? No, but it definitely diminishes it because there was a relationship there. Uh, LaFleur really liked Jimmy G. They liked him in that system. Now, you bring in Hackett, who's still a West Coast guy. I think they'll lean on the run a lot more. I think that's part of the Hackett hire, whether you think that's an uninspiring one or not. And I understand a lot of people that do. But I, and I think Jimmy G will have suitors, right? A lot of people, you have Josh McDaniels once again with the Raiders. They like him. You never know what Bill Belichick's thinking. He's always loved Jimmy G. And we saw them bench Mac Jones at one point this season. There's open spots for him. Brock Purdy's dealing with a UCL. I would never rule out a return to the Niners, but the Jets, I mean, there is also a relationship there with Robert Sala. And this is going to come down to money for Jimmy G because this is another opportunity for him to cash out once again. I want to pick your brand on the Giants here because I think they're in a really weird spot, Connor. They had a great season. I love Brian Dable. Daniel Jones is going to earn a ton of money, put his ass off this year. Barkley is going to get his money, whether it's from the Giants or somebody else. But they're almost set up in a way where they're built for regression. I mean, it was humbling when mm-hmm. you saw Philadelphia do to them. I mean, they didn't belong on the same field with the Eagles. The schedule is going to get tougher. They aren't thinking, hey, next year is, is the time to go make moves. I think Shane, Dable, they're pragmatic. They're thinking far more about the bigger picture. I think the Giants look at their rebuild within a three- or four-year window. I think it's okay, right? Like it, it, The Giants can take a step back next year, but if they're adding to the roster, their process is sound. Maybe they don't go as deep. Maybe they don't win as many games. But that, that kind of, I think, is going to be the approach from them this offseason, like, I don't, uh, maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't see them going all in in this particular offseason, even with a ton of cap space. I'd be surprised that's the case. I think you're all over it. I think they have also kind of revealed their priorities, right? Where they're not very interested in paying Saquon Barkley an insane contract because you just look at this situation. Saquon Barkley is about to turn 26 years old. He's got an injury history. He's got tread on the tires. Okay, he's a fan favorite. He's a great player. Nobody's denying that. If you pay Saquon Barkley like a top two running back in the NFL, is he going to be your best player when that window starts to open up after you do this rebuild where you drafted all these guys and everybody starts to turn the corner and, and Evan Neal, a Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, a guy like Wandale Robinson, guys like that, they all start to turn the corner. Is Saquon still going to be your guy or does his career start to go uh, the wrong way and you're paying him all that money because you had to up front? So I think they kind of revealed that already. They're going to bring back Jones. I'd be really surprised if they don't. I think he'll be, I think Daniel Jones has the awareness that this is the place for him. This is an ownership group that loves him. This is a coach that is his obviously, you know, best shot at success in the NFL where he took strides this year. I would think it's around $35 million a year, which is still a lot of money for Daniel Jones, which means you got to build the team around him. And like you said, just because they punched above their weight class all season, does not mean a step back next year is absolute disaster while you're still trying to build through the draft. That's what that was the Buffalo way under Bean, right? And Joe Shane knows that. Brian Dable knows that. 
They build through the draft. They develop these players with good coaching. That's why they went out and spent so much and recruited so much on high-end coaching, whether it's a Wink Martindale, Mike Kafka, guys like that. So for the Giants, they're in a brutal division. The Eagles are set up here where they're not just going to be really, really good or weren't really good this year. They're going to be awesome next year. They have the 10th pick in the draft. They have another first-rounder in the draft. Dallas will still be somewhat of an issue. But the Giants here, they're building for the long term. And I think, yeah, they have a ton of cap space. Guess what? A lot of that's going to be gone as soon as you pay Daniel Jones. And probably once you pay Daniel Jones, you slap the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley to protect yourself. So how much room does that give yourself to get better in free agency? Not a ton. And that's okay. You got good, young, ascending players that you're trying to develop for the long term. This is a three-year plan for the Giants, not a one-year plan. So I think you're all over it. A couple quick hits. One. Peyton going to Denver. You surprised he's getting back in the game in that place with that? I loved Russell Wilson for years, Connor. He looked shot last year. Totally, Money. totally Money. shot. And Sean Payton, listen, he, he, he could have coached anywhere. He could have done TV for another year. I thought he might be a little bit more picky. I guess Money talks, huh? Me too. I'm kind of shocked by this. And then you look at it and go, when you don't know the answer and it's staring at you in the face with a ton of zeros after a number and a cash sign, you got the answer. Uh, Sean Payton cashed out. If it fails to Russell Wilson, it doesn't matter. He's paid. If he turns around Russell Wilson, well, then great. It just feels like a situation where he had all the leverage in the world. These coaches that have a ton of success and then go sit out a season on TV. We get to the coaching cycle. Everybody looks around. Nobody likes the young unknowns. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's a great hire, of course. But other than that, this was the most uninspiring coaching cycle, JJ, that I've seen in my years covering this league. And I think when it came down to it, Sean Payton realized this is the best leverage I'm ever going to have. I'm going to take all the money I can get and we'll see if it has success. But if it doesn't, at the end of the day, that's fine. You're at the Senior Bowl. You've been there for a couple of years now. You, this part of your like annual NFL tradition. What's your favorite part about covering the Senior Bowl? Oh, man. I just think all the NFL personnel in one small random place. You, you really can't match it. You really can. I mean, sure, we go to the Combine every year in Indy, and Indy's not the biggest city, but it's also not a small city. You know, people do, I know you'll be at Radio Row for Super Bowl, the NFL Draft's a big event, but there's just something about the small town and having different, every NFL GM pops in here, you have multiple coaches pop in here, you get a look at the future talent coming into the league. Everybody's just kind of forced together into these random restaurants, bars, practices, meetings. So I think it's it's an old school football environment, an old school NFL environment that because of where it is, it just has never lost that old school tradition. I got to go. I'm putting it on the bucket list, Connor. I've never been in a combine. I've never been in a senior bowl. And, and the amazing thing for me is I wouldn't even care about the practices. I wouldn't even care about the workouts. It, it's what you just hit on. That that like fraternity, that idea that you're going in a bar and boom, you see Bill Belichick or you yeah. see this guy, you see that guy. Like that's that's cool. And listen, listen, I'm sure that's where you get a lot of information. Let's be honest. You, you do. It's It was funny when I was really young doing this. I mean, this is going back probably my first ones eight years ago. You walk in to go get a cup of coffee and then there's, you know, Andy Reid and a, and a random GM sitting down having breakfast. They're right next to you. And everybody's so outgoing and friendly here. It's like all the walls come down. There's no barriers. There's none of that stuffy press conference kind of stuff, which, you know, really isn't for me anyway. It's not part of my job. Being here, everybody is just kind of 
in this community and, and, you know, BSing at night. And like you said, information goes around. This is the start of the NFL offseason. Honestly, it's, yeah, we're here for the college players and the draft and all of that. But when it comes down to it, this is the beginning of free agency rumors, the beginning of the draft rumors. And of course, we're going to have the end of the season here in just, what, 10 days. Who's the guy that you can't wait to watch over the next couple of days? Is it one? Yeah, it's Keon White from Georgia Tech. He, he, in my eyes, is the only surefire first rounder here, which is pretty rare, but a lot of guys have had some bad luck injuries. So I look at Keon White from Georgia Tech. He'll go in the top 20. Wouldn't shock me at the end of the day. He goes in the top 15. He's just a pass rusher that at 285, 290, he could play inside, he could play outside, whether it's off the tackle shoulder, whether it's inside lined up against guards and centers. He's got speed. There, I mean, there's a clip of him running down a Georgia running back 50 yards down the field. Whatever his GPS mileage was on that, I mean, he's running like a tight end or a wide receiver. So he's just a freak, and he's just kind of a different dude out here. All right, my final one for you. And I've been thinking about this question a lot. I'm Chicago. I got the number one pick in the draft. You could do one of two things. You sell it, you get a ton in return, you rebuild your team around Justin Fields, or you go and take a different quarterback and trade Justin Fields. To me, I loved what I saw from Fields last year. It was electric. Uh, the way he was running the football was top-notch. I, I, I think there's something there. You're in the Chicago Bears war room right now, Connor. What are you banging the drum for? You taking Bryce Young, trading away Fields, getting assets that way, or are you trading that pick to Houston, whoever the case may be? I think whatever you do, you find a way to trade the pick. Now, you nailed it. I think you flip it with Houston if you can, because I wouldn't want to move out of the number one pick and not get my top guy, because this is a bad roster, an awful defense. They need that Jalen Carter, Will Anderson kind of front seven player to really transform their front seven, give them a defensive identity, and then use the rest of the assets you got in the trades, uh, whether you go back to two with Col uh, the Texans or four with the Colts, to build around fields as well. It's just not a good skilled talent class, JJ. It's good tight end and running back class, but those guys, you, you can kind of find them sometimes in drafts, dime a dozen. It's not a good wide receiver class. They need a lot of help there, so they can look at that in day two. They can also flip those picks to trade for a veteran. You know, Hopkins is going to be available. I just like when you have that kind of draft ammo, that draft assets and cap flexibility, that all options are on the table to build around your young quarterback. But after the season he had, and yes, he's got to get better as a passer, but there was plenty of flashes there as well. There's just no selling, uh, getting rid of Justin Fields. Do the right thing. Give him a shot. Put talent around him. And that includes on the defensive side of the ball as well. I'm not going to ask you for your Super Bowl pick, but it's way too early. Uh, what I would <laughs> what I would suggest, Connor, go against me because I've been ice cold the last two weeks. So whenever you see that pick come firing in on Thursday, uh, that's where you're going through the opposite, my man. I had I had one ticket in July, and I had a I had plenty of misses this year. JJ, anybody that watched uh, the same game parlay segment on Jets um, pregame would know I had one Super Bowl ticket in July at plus one thousand for the Kansas City Chiefs. So yeah, I've kind of given away where where I'm um you know where I'm going for Super Bowl Sunday, and we'll see if it comes true. I can't believe how far ahead the Bills got as a preseason Super Bowl favorite. And them, doesn't it go to show you, you, Connor? Doesn't it go to show you never ever ever Take that betting favorite at the beginning of the year. It's like an Never. automatic L. Never. I mean, Buffalo, every, you, you looked at the expert picks, you know, like they have these expert picks. Everybody was taking the Bills. I was like, well, that's one thing I am not doing, dude. And, and I could probably say I did not take the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. So there's that. Never ride with the favorite. Something will go wrong for him, especially when the value was what? The Bills were at plus 500 at one point. The Chiefs are at plus 1,000. I, I looked, I said to somebody recently, what if you bet on Pat Mahomes to win the Super Bowl 
every year for the rest of his career, starting last summer, you'd probably come out on top with money when all is said and done. I would agree with that. I think I'll have a couple of Lombardis. We'll see if he has his second next Sunday. Buddy, thanks so much for a few minutes. Enjoy uh, the Senior Bowl. Uh, I will see you at some point during the summer uh, for some cold ones, maybe in a Subway Series game with your Mets and my Yankees. I would like that. I love it, JJ. I can't wait, man. Thanks so much for having me. It's always great to talk to you. That's the great Connor Rogers. Does a fantastic, fantastic job. A lot of good NFL stuff in there. All right, we'll do a little trivia before we say goodbye. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. Yeah, I'm very surprised Sean Payton took that Denver job. I'm not going to lie. I'm very, very surprised. I guess money talks. I wouldn't want Russell Wilson as my quarterback. And I wouldn't want to be in that division. See, that's the problem for Payton now. Mahomes ain't going anywhere. The Chargers have talent. Even the Raiders have some semblance of talent. That's not a great landing spot for Sean Payton. Money talks. What can I say? Money talks. All right, Larry. I'm ready for you, baby. It's trivia time. It is a Tuesday and a Wednesday show. You know what that means. Time for me to make a fool of myself. Larry, the floor is yours. Larry in sunny Florida. Here we go, JJ. Cincinnati and Kansas City had a rematch of the conference championship game this week. When was the last time there was a conference championship rematch? The second one is since 1980, only one quarterback has won his first four road playoff starts. Who is it? I'm out. All right. I'm starting with the first one because I am so incredibly confident in this answer. The last time we had a championship game rematch, other than Cincinnati and Kansas City, it was the Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots, 2012-2013. And I know I'm right. Yeah, that was a drop-the-mic one. Larry, that one, I was so incredibly confident. You had no idea. You had no idea. So, I was all over that one. Now, your question about the road playoff quarterback starts is intriguing to me because my first guess, right out of the gate, I almost gave you Mark Sanchez, but then, of course, you got to remember, Mark Sanchez won four road playoff games for the Jets, but he did lose the AFC title game in Indianapolis, and he did lose the AFC title game the second year in Pittsburgh. So four and two for Mark Sanchez in the postseason, but now four consecutive road playoff wins. Got to think about this one for a minute. Got to think about this one for a minute. It's not Aaron Rodgers. He lost his first one in Arizona. On a uh, walk-off safety, I want to say. Carlos Dansby. I do not believe it's Brady because you got to remember, Brady played so many playoff games at home and then lost in Denver. That was the uh, Ben Watson-Champ-Bailey game on a Saturday night against Jake Plummer. I remember that one well, my senior year of high school. First 
four road playoff wins in four straight. My, oh, my, oh, my. You know who it is? Now, I don't know if the Super Bowl counts for this, but I'm going to throw his name out there anyway. Stefan, is it Colin Kaepernick? <laughs> it is not Cap. Okay. Because I thought he won. You know what it is? No, he had a couple of home games. They smoked the Packers. Yeah, 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 yeah. They won, a, they won in Atlanta, but it was not Colin Kaepernick. Okay. Stefan, I have no idea what this one, by the way. I have absolutely no idea. So you want to at least put me in the right decade? Um, yeah, 2000s. 2000s, okay. 2000s, four straight road playoff wins. Four straight. To start a career. It's not Eli Manning because he lost in Philadelphia. Oh, I think I know. Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. Oh. Oh. Felt good about that, too. Felt good about that. I'm like thinking 2000s quarterbacks. Oh, I got another one. Jake DeLome. There we go. You know, you got to think about quarterbacks that won games on the road. And Carolina won the NFC title game in Philly. Then, remember, they embarrassed the Giants. That was the uh, the game Tiki Barber said we got outplayed and the guy outcoached. It's kind of the beginning of the end for Tiki. Then he had that final year where basically decided he was going to retire halfway through. And Tiki was a good Giant. But he did himself absolutely no favors with that stuff. When you look back on it now, I mean, my goodness, no favors with that stuff. But Jake, Jake DeLome was the quarterback that was leading the Carolina Panthers. And they won a bunch of games on the road in the postseason. I think they won in Chicago. They won at Giant Stadium. They had the wins going into the Super Bowl. And I, I think DeLome finally lost the road playoff game against Hasselbeck and the Seattle Seahawks. So, Larry, I was ready for you, Poppy. I was ready for you, big boy. Let's go. Well, extra pep in my step now from my return from Syracuse. Now we'll see if I'm jet lagged on Tuesday night when you give me trivia. We'll see. When I'm coming to Arizona. I'm already baking in the excuses. Hey, you have a winning trivia performance, you take it and you run. We'll be back Thursday. It's going to be weird. I'm not going to lie. It will be our first Thursday and a Friday show where we do not have football to look forward to. So it might get wacky. It might get weird. Might have a surprise or two. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to do come Thursday, but that's what kind of makes this time of year fun. You never know what's going through this little pea brain of mine, and we kind of take it from there. Maybe the Knicks will figure out how to run in a late-game possession. Maybe they'll figure it out by Thursday. Don't count on it. Give the blow, Jalen Brunson, would you please, Tibbs? You're killing me, Smalls. Anyway, good job by Stefan. We're back on Thursday night. JJ out. Enjoy. Be good, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, 
I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates.